happy Sunday, everybody. <laughs> uh, how's, how's everybody holding up on the, the final day of Comic-Con 2019? All right. Uh, yeah, uh, so my name's Andrew Farrago. I'm the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco. And I, thanks. I <laughs> uh, always have a lot of fun uh, doing panels for Comic-Con. And I, I jumped at this one when they offered it to me. Uh, so this is the spotlight on Jay Lee, who's uh, <laughs> arrived. Thank you all for coming. Okay. I know there's a lot of things to do here. <laughs> and yeah, we appreciate everybody coming out. Uh, so yeah, the uh, description that we got is, have you wondered what life is like for a comic book artist? Are you looking for tips and tricks of the trade? And if so, please join Jay Lee for a spotlight panel. So that's, that's what we're doing here. Uh, we will have plenty of time for audience questions and to give you incentive to think up some really good ones. We've got some exclusive comics for the first 10 people to ask really good questions. So think about that. Uh, I'll give you a cue when we're getting ready for that. But in the meantime, if you've got a great burning question for Jay, uh, so now, now get the brains going. <laughs> Start thinking about it. Or uh, we could just talk about dogs and the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I know you've all got opinions on that. <laughs> uh, so you got your start professionally back in 1991 with Marvel Comics yes. on Marvel Comics Presents and I think that's I think that's question number one how did how did that first job come about well I got my first job technically in 1986 or so um, uh, I used to go to a local comic book store I mean a, a comic company uh, a comic convention called Jubilee Conventions in Washington D.C. Uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and as a kid, I, I, I would go um, every time they had the show. They had it several times a year. I think it was almost once a month. But back then, conventions were very different. All they did was sell comic books. It was very much like a flea market. And occasionally, they would bring in a local guest artist. Um, but you were there primarily just to buy books. And I started entering the art contest at the convention. And if you won, you got, I think, like 20 bucks and some free books. And um, they had a table where they would put everybody's artwork, and the guest artist would be the judge and pick out who the, the winner would be. And then I caught on to the fact that you didn't actually have to buy a ticket to go into the convention. I could just put my art on the table and just hang out outside. And that's what I would do every month. And then I would submit the same piece of art. Um, but I got picked every time. So I would just go there once a month and pick up my you know, 20 bucks and some free comics and then just leave. <laughs> and uh, the, the convention organizers caught on to that. They saw the same piece of art and said, you're, you're, not, you're not allowed back in here. <laughs> but during that time, uh, there was an artist that I met. He was an inker named Bob Downs. He had inked some stuff in the 70s and 80s. And um, he's the one that encouraged me to uh, just continue drawing and, um, uh, you know, uh, just follow my dreams. And when I was 16, I went up to a comic book convention in New York City and um, I approached Marvel with a portfolio, and that's how I got my first job. 
But going back to my first published work, which was back in 1986, uh, that inker that I knew, he had messed up a page. He had spilled ink all over it, and um, you know, he panicked. So he called me up and said, hey, can you, can you just lightbox this page, and I'll ink it, and just try to draw it like the original artist. And so I did, and he inked it, and it looked nothing like the original artist. Um, but anyway, it was uncredited, but that was my first issue. It was an issue of Young All-Stars. I don't remember what issue number it was. We'll track that one down yeah. on the convention floor. Uh, yeah, were you, were you a big comic reader? Oh, yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what, what, what were some of the books you were looking at around the time you were um, doing this? Yeah, when uh, there, was a, there was a laundromat where, uh, near where we used to live, and every weekend my mom would take my brother and I there. And while she was in the laundromat, I would go next door to the 7-Eleven and just flip through all the books. And um, I couldn't afford to buy any of the books. But once I started school, I saved up all my lunch money. So I never, I never ate lunch. I would just save up my money. I think it was like 50 cents a day or something back then. And that was enough to buy a comic. So I would go to 7-Eleven once a week and you know, pick out a handful of books. And the first comic book I bought, because uh, I was too cheap to actually buy anything, I would just read them there. But the first one I actually bought was uh, Secret Wars, issue number two, because it had all the superheroes in it. So I thought, wow, I'm getting, I'm getting an awesome value here. It was for, back then, miniseries were 75 cents. Yeah. So for 75 cents, I could, I could buy a book that had every character in it. Um, and, and that's how it started. Okay, yeah. Show, show of hands, how many of you have chosen uh, comics over food at some point in your life? Most, most of the audience. All right. <laughs> uh, great, yeah. So 19, uh, 1991 would have been when I first saw your work. So that was yeah. Marvel Comics Presents. And uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that experience? And you're, you're brand new to the industry. You get your first script. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing, um, it was, it was an amazing magical time. Um, I, I even saved all the packaging, the FedEx box that the paper came in, the scripts. This was way before the internet. So uh, anytime you, you, um, you finished a piece of art, you would just um, ship it. And um, yeah, for a while I just kept saving all the packaging, all the Marvel uh, correspondences had a Spider-Man logo on it. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the first job was Marvel Comics Presents. Rob Liefeld had just started um, uh, the, uh, the eight-part story. Marvel Comics was an anthology book. And he did the first part, and then he did most of the second part. He left out two pages. And then he got the New Mutants, so he dropped this to go work on the New Mutants. So they needed someone to replace him. So I, I drew the two remaining pages, and then... Um, you know, continued on with the rest of the the the, uh, the stories. Okay. And did you get uh, did you get positive feedback right away? Did you did you know that? No, everyone thought it was too dark. <laughs> so even back then, I was just um, putting in a lot of shadows. And to this day, I hate the color purple because on that job, the colorist colored everything purple. And back then. 
you know, everything was printed on newspaper, and you really only had three colors you could use. You'd mix them and then get a certain combination, but there were really only just a handful of colors you could get. So anytime there was a nighttime scene, the colorist would just color it purple, because that was really all you could do. But because I'd used so much black, when you put purple on it, it just, just everything just smeared together. And so when it goes through the printing press, it just comes out printing like mud. And so, yeah, I got my, I, I, it, it took me years to get over my fear of the color purple. And every time I worked with a colorist, I would just say, stop, don't use purple. Anything but purple. And then when I, uh, when I started working on, before Watchman Ozymandias, his costume is purple. <laughs> so no, no Prince comics in your future. No, I've, I've gotten over it now. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was yeah that was a lot of fun. I loved yeah I bought that series off the racks, Marvel Comics Presents, and yeah I had, I had no idea that you were not that much older than me when I was yeah <laughs> reading that that was exciting, uh, and that led to your first ongoing book for Marvel, uh, which was Namor. Namor. I got to work with my childhood idol John Byrne. Uh, my two favorite artists were John Byrne and Mike Zeck. Uh, I would trace everything they did, just spend hours copying it. So uh, it was it was a dream come true. Great. Uh, what was that? What was that collaborative process like? Was it was it was it back and forth? Was it one way? No, no. I was I was an 18 year old kid. There's there's no back and forth. I get a script and I draw it. I'm not gonna call him up and go, Hey, John. <laughs> what if we did this? Or maybe you could rethink this. Okay, and that's uh, yeah to use uh, yeah to use industry terms like wizard, top ten hot artist. That was that was one of the books that really um, put you on everybody's radar. And that was that's about as radical a shift as you see on a comic. You go you go from John Byrne, who's a very uh, traditional style superhero artist, and then you're a complete 180. Yeah. from that as far as what a mainstream 90s comics fan is expecting. So there's a funny anecdote. So when I did Namor, I made him the savage Namor. I gave him long hair, really big muscles. Uh, he had this sharp armor. And so when, uh, when they announced a new Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa with the long hair and the muscles, uh, people were posting my artwork next to it saying that you know, they, were, they were copying what I did. Cop, you know, Aquaman is mirrored after my version of Namor, but what goes around comes around because it's not like mine was original because I just copied Simon Bisley. <laughs> so no, it's not. It's it's me copying DC and DC copying, you know. So okay, so you so you did Namor for about a year and um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would actually love to hear what kind of fan reaction was. So you, you again that made you. Uh, very popular with some people, but I'm sure some of the John Byrne traditionalists were a little surprised to see. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's such a uh, a radical change that if you like John Byrne, you're I'm pretty sure you're not going to like my stuff. I don't even like looking at that stuff. It just looks like some obnoxious kid thinking that he knew everything. So um, years later, 20, 25 years later, when I was asked to do a series of covers for Marvel, for Namor, I jumped at it because I said, okay, I'm going to draw Namor the way 
he should have been drawn the classic Namor. So it was kind of nice getting to yeah. revisit that. And uh, so around the time this was happening, Image Comics got started, and um, you did a, you did a couple of miniseries that I really enjoyed that came out that year: the Wildcats trilogy, uh, Youngblood Strike File. Those came out in '93. Yeah. And how did how did those come about? So you worked for Jim Lee and uh, and Rob Liefeld. Um, well, while I was working on Namor, Rob Liefeld called me up and said, um, "How would you like to work for Image?" And back then, if Marvel found out that you were talking to anybody at Image, you were you were fired. Um, so it was, yeah, I didn't tell anybody. It was it was a, a really tempting offer. He made me a great offer, but as a kid, you just you don't want to make a mistake in the beginning of your career. And this is Marvel Comics. Uh, would you leave Marvel Comics for an upstart company that you know you don't know where it's going to go? But ultimately, I, I did decide to take the offer. But before I did, I had to finish up um, um, a Spider-Man three-part story that I had signed up for. And I didn't want to tell them that I was leaving, so I wanted to finish them as quickly as possible before I told them. So I ended up doing um, those three issues as fast as I could. Issue one I did in one week. Issue two I did in two days. And issue three I did in one day. And I had a timer. I had to do twenty. I had to do one page every twenty minutes. And and if you and if you look at those issues, you'll see it. And I think there was a recent online poll of the worst Spider-Man arc ever. And so it's issues. It's issues forty-one through forty-three of uh, Spider-Man, the, the the series that Tom McFarlane started. It's the one with Iron Fist. And, and big, big collector's items today, so I'm sure you can... <laughs> no, no, no. You can buy them for a quarter. If anyone's charging more than 35 cents, you're getting ripped off. <laughs> so, yeah I, yeah, I do encourage you to raid the back issue bins and, uh, yeah, see, see if you can track those down. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I had no idea of reading those, but maybe I'll, I'll dust them off and see, <laughs> see how they hold up. Um, Okay, and you also worked with Jim Lee on um, the Wildcats yep. trilogy, three-issue yes. miniseries. And uh, is there a bond there, the Jim Lee, J. Lee connection? So back then, we you know there was no internet, so you couldn't you couldn't see how other artists worked. You couldn't see the progress. You couldn't see the pencils, the inks, the colors. You would just see the final product. So how it's made is pretty much a mystery. And um, back before I broke in, there were, there were a group of us um, that were trying to break in, uh, living in Northern Virginia. And once once a week, we would get together and you know share our portfolios and um, and share tips and things like that. And one of the guys made a trip up to New York, he got an interview with one of the editors, and he came back with these Xerox copies of Jim Lee's pencils on X-Men. And he called everybody up as soon as he got back and said, hey, you know, let's, let's meet at so-and-so, and uh, I got something to show you. Uh, and that was the first time I saw an artist's pencils. You guys take everything for granted now, by the way. It's so <laughs> easy. It's so easy. Um, but yeah, 
there were these Xerox copies, 11 by 17 Xerox copies of Jim Lee's pencils. And I learned so much from just looking at that. And so, yeah, when, when Jim Lee called me up and said, do you want to work on Longcat's trilogy? I, uh, I jumped at that. And um, I, I kind of looked at him, looked at him as, as my mentor in a way because um, you know, he was Korean and very successful and um, was an amazing artist. And not just an amazing artist, but a great businessman. So he had everything. So, uh, yeah, why, why wouldn't I look up to him? <laughs> That's great to hear. Um, and that led to Hellshock, which was one yeah. of your... Um, was that your first creator-owned yep. book over at Image? Yeah. My first and only. First and only. <laughs> Can you talk about that? I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it still makes an impression on people uh, today. Um, yeah, when I started that, it was... Uh, that was a big turning point in my career because, um, you know, as, as a hotshot young kid, you think you know everything. And anytime someone tried to tell me, hey, you got to work on this or that, uh, I would just tune them out and say, no, nah, I know everything. <laughs> or, you know, you just don't like the style. But it wasn't until I started writing my own stuff I realized, God, this guy sucks. He can't tell a story to save his life. So when, while I was working on Hellshock, I, I actually stopped drawing comics for about two years because um, I just didn't like what I was doing and I wanted to be a better artist. So during those two years, I just uh, I tried to find ways of changing my style, learning uh, new techniques. And that's when I came back with Hellshock Volume 2 where everything is now realistic because the kind of stories I wanted to tell required um, better draftsmanship, a better command of storytelling. And it wasn't until then I realized um, you know, what's, what's truly important in, in comic art. It, it can't just be pretty. And I think that's still the only reason I survived the 90s. Otherwise, um, I think my stuff would look very dated and I wouldn't have grown. And that's the thing about art. As an artist, you get tired of doing the same thing. You outgrow it, you evolve, and hopefully you evolve into something better. And I think that's better for the fans too because it, you guys don't want to see the same thing over and over again. You want to see uh, a certain amount of growth. But at the same time, it can't be a complete departure where you're alienating the people that liked your stuff in the first place. So I get that all the time. People that say, oh, I miss the energy of your old stuff. And so, um, you know, I understand that, but um, I, I, I just, I, 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 can't e I can't even try to draw like that anymore. Yeah, so yeah, I'd love to hear about, um, yeah, the process, the process there. So you knew you wanted to be better, and I'd, I'd like to know, uh, how did you go about that? Were you studying other artists? Were you... Uh, doing life drawing, whether what, how did you shake things up? Um, so I dropped out of art college. I, I went for about three months, and I said, "I know everything. I don't need to go." So uh, that's where I was coming from. And when I was working on Hellshock, I met um, Jose Villarubi at a uh, at a convention. He went on to become my colorist, but back then he was, um, or he still is. Uh, an 
an art professor at uh, the Maryland Institute College of Art. And we developed a friendship, and he tried to basically get me to change up my art, or at least look at other people and um, point me in the right direction. And of course, I was too young to even consider that. And it wasn't until uh, several years later I realized, you know, wow, I could be learning a lot from him, just uh, uh, broadening my horizons and realizing my own limitations. And so in a way, I got an unofficial uh, art education through him. So I, I owe him a great deal. Great. And did you, did you take a break from looking at comic art? Were you looking at other types of art, illustration? Yeah, that was the biggest thing. Stop looking at other comic art. Uh, look at photography or uh, paintings. Anything that, that, that you see elements that you could incorporate into your own art. So the biggest departure for me was I went from artwork that was completely nonsensical. The anatomy was terrible. Nothing made sense. It was just pure guts and energy. Whatever I wanted to do, I did, whether it made sense or not. But then I went the opposite extreme. I started looking at photos. and um, uh, There was a period when I was just so reliant on the photo references that if I drew Captain America in one panel and I was looking at a weightlifting magazine, he'd be huge. And then the next panel, he'd be really skinny because I was looking at... Um, like a swimmer or something. So that's how blind I was. And um, that's a crutch and a trap that you can fall into as an artist. And uh, it, it took me years to even shake that off. And now I feel like I'm at a more comfortable place where everything looks more, um, more cohesive. And um, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not trying to follow uh, the reference, literally. Okay, yeah, so late, uh, late 90s, uh, you did a year-long series called uh, <laughs> uh, Inhumans for Marvel, for the Marvel Knights imprint, and I think that's, uh, that's, that's, when I, that's when I noticed that I think you really took things to the next level. Was there, yeah. a, was there, a, was there were there any works before that that you felt were well, right before I did Inhumans, uh, there were two volumes of Hellshock. The first one, it was a four-issue miniseries. Uh, that's the one where it was just the kid in me and um, just all expression but no, no draftsmanship. And then I took a two-year break, and then that's when I came back with Hellshock Volume 4. I mean, Volume 2. Um, and that's where it was a more refined, mature uh, approach. And right after that was in humans. So um, if it wasn't for Hellshock, I, I probably may not have uh, changed my style as much. Cool. And did that, uh, was it Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti that reached out to you about that, or did uh, yeah. the writer? No, no it, was, uh, it was Joe. Mm -hmm. um, they had asked me to, they had actually asked me to do The Punisher. But when they sent me the proposal, it was the Punisher with some angel guns or something. He was back from the dead and hunting spirits, and I thought that was terrible. <laughs> so I, I turned them down, and then they said, what do you want to do? 
And um, the idea behind Marvel Knights was they were all street-level characters. You had Daredevil, Black Panther, The Punisher. And um, I, I just pulled out my handbook, of, official handbook of the Marvel Universe and went through everything and said, oh, what do I want to do? And then when I got to the Inhumans, I said, hey, this, this has potential. So I said, I want to do the Inhumans. And that's when they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. These are, you know, street-level characters. And, um, um, but I, I didn't really have any interest in doing that. I wanted to do the Inhumans. And so they agreed, and they said, who do you want to write this? And um, one of the people that, that um, I suggested was Paul Jenkins, because I was a really big fan of Hellblazer. I thought he, was, he had a great ear for dialogue, and um, he wrote some pretty unconventional stories. So um, I suggested his name, and we approached him, and he said yes. Great. And that was, yeah, that was another real landmark in your career. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it spawned an awesome TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone see the TV show? I think How many hands was that, four? <laughs> I think the entire audience for that show is in this room. Did you, did you, <laughs> did you like the stabby Medusa? She was like Medusa from, from an episode of Oz or something. What's your definition of life? <laughs> <laughs> like one good dialogue between her and Black Bolt where she's telling him that... Oh, wait, don't spoil it. But yeah, if you missed it, you can. You know, I'm sure the Disney Plus app will have it <laughs> soon enough. Um, yeah, so early 2000s. So after that, were you, were you able to... Did you take what came your way? Were you calling the shots? Were you picking your next projects? Uh, well, right after that, they asked um, um, Paul and I to come up with something else, and we followed that up with the Century. Okay. <laughs> Century thank t-shirt you, right you, in the front row. Great. Thank you, uh, the guy in the Century t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, yeah, these were... Um, yeah, these were these were a lot of oh, wait, fun. That's not even my were, art. It's not. Not. I couldn't find it. Birthday gift. I didn't even choose it. <laughs> but yeah, these were these were um, you know they had the format of Marvel comics and they had the characters, but they um, yeah Paul's writing and your art they really pushed them in uh, these concepts in unexpected directions. And uh, uh, so yeah, you you said you and John Byrne it was a pretty one way collaboration but did you and Paul talk a little more were you um, you know I'm not one of those artists that really likes to collaborate with people I do my job and they do their job so unless it's something that's completely awful um, you know I'm not going to step on the writer's toes and I wouldn't want them stepping on my toes like the last thing I would want is the writer telling me how to draw uh, but that being said, once I get a script, I do deviate a lot from it um, without asking. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just, you know, do what I think looks good, turn it in, and, and hopefully everything goes okay. And do you have, uh, yeah, do you do let editors know if you have a, is there a wish list of characters you want to do? Do you, are you proactive or do you let things come to you? 
Uh, I don't really care about the act, uh, the, the characters. It's more about the story. If it's a good story, then um, that's what's important. Like I love drawing Batman, but I wouldn't want to draw a crappy Batman story, <laughs> which I may or may not have done already. <laughs> but you don't know it's crappy until you're done with it. <laughs> Just like people that make movies. They don't know they're going to make a stinker. Everyone has the best intentions when they start. Well, that's a, yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good question. Do you, uh, uh, do you have favorite books that you go back of? Do you reread your own material uh, as, a, as a fan? No. No. <laughs> All right, that, was an, that was an easy question. Uh, it's okay. almost always bad memories associated with something. <laughs> it's more like a traumatic thing. Like, why would I want to revisit that trauma? All right, well, let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to another collaboration, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see it. Well, hopefully this is a positive one. But, uh, yeah, for a few years you worked on uh, adaptations of Stephen King's The Dark Tower. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, Stephen King fans. That was the best job I ever had. I had complete freedom, and um, um, I got to draw everything that I loved drawing. We had a medieval theme, a Western theme. Everything was old and broken down. Um, I loved it. And again, it it was a great experience, because when I first started, I was really worried that Stephen King would be um, very hands-on and and just be very particular about the way things looked because these were characters that he had in his head for decades. Um, but before I started, he told me, look, you're the artist. I'm a writer. I'm not going to tell you how to draw. So, um, uh, yeah, the, the freedom I was given was uh, very... I, w- I was very grateful for that. But then I might have taken it a little too far. <laughs> so... There was this character, John Farson. Um, if you guys have read the novel, he's described as a cow... He, he was, he's the bad guy in the novel. The bad guy that you don't really see. And the, yeah. Yeah. So the only description is he's, uh, he has long blonde hair and he wears uh, like cowboy clothing, like an overcoat. And that's it. I think there was one line. And uh, the rest of the time is just this unseen force that people talk about, but you don't really, he's not really an active part of the novels. So when we did the, the, the comic book, there were scenes with him, and um, I thought, I want to make him really menacing, but I, I don't want to draw a guy with long blonde hair and a trench coat. He would look like Fabio. <laughs> so. Um, um, at the last minute so I sent in pages with that look that they approved but then at the last minute literally two days before going to press I redid the, I redid the pages and I gave him a red bloody mask um, that had, with long black hair and carrying a samurai sword and wearing like black leather uh a combination of like a Mad Max black leather samurai armor 
for John Farson, who's described as a, a guy with long blonde hair and wearing a trench coat and wearing cowboy clothes. So I just sent that off, and I was just waiting for the call. <laughs> and the editor just flipped out. He called me. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You're making Marvel look bad. You can't do this. Um, and I said, no, look. He's got blonde hair underneath the mask, and he, and he took his trench coat off. And that's what he wears, right? Um, so then they sent it off to Stephen King, and he loved it. And so we, we, that's, it was published as, as is. And then they just said, don't do that again. <laughs> My editors, not, not Stephen King's people. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to do some audience questions now. And remember... Uh, we've got a very limited edition, 500 in the entire world, uh, Valiant Comics, Fallen World. And if you can just line up here, uh, we'll, just, we'll just take them one by one. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, regarding your style, so uh, the past 20, 25 years has been, uh, I know you're pretty hands, uh, hands-on in your style. Regarding your work getting uh, like digitized, uh, what was the consideration regarding the final product, the look you want, uh, basically your lines? Uh... Well, you know, technology has come so far. Yeah. Um, if I was, that's something I struggle with all the time. In black and white, I actually like it better when it's inked with a brush, so it's just black and then white. Yeah. Um, but when it's colored and printed, I, I, I'm not too crazy about the way that looks. So what I'm doing now for my printed work is, is just penciled very delicately, and then it's digitally inked. And I work with my wife, who's, uh, who does the digital inks and the colors. And then it provides a really nice, soft look. Um, so you can't quite tell if it's inked or if it's pencil, um, what part is the color. Everything just kind of bleeds together to, um, to make it... To give it a really soft look. Photoshop? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll go, uh, and we'll try to go rapid fire here so we can get through the whole line. But yeah, thanks. Um, I was first introduced to your work in this entry, and I appreciated the, the abstraction, the darkness of it, how it just looked so different from other artists that, that I've seen. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like the creation of the century of the boy, anything that you might remember from that process. Um, you know, I, I when I did the Sentry, they were they just told us not try not to make it look like Superman. That's kind of pretty much it, because uh, you know he had he was kind of Marvel's Superman archetype, um, and um, you know aside from that, I I, I don't really remember. And I think at that at, at one point that's why they gave him the long hair to make him look less like Superman or something. I don't remember, and I, and I don't even know if that's true because I wasn't doing the book when they gave him the long hair, which makes him look like Fabio with the long blonde hair. <laughs> if, if Fabio's in the audience, we're sorry that you, we keep uh, <laughs> keep taking your name in vain. But uh, yeah, next. I was going to ask who your favorite colorist was, but you already. <laughs> Yes, it would have to be. Is there, is there some um, current writer you, you'd like to collaborate with that you that you haven't been able to? 
Um, you know, I think, I think every writer is capable of uh, good stories and bad stories. So it's not so much the name, it's whoever writes a good story. So it can be a complete uh, unknown who's never really done anything, but he, could, he or she could turn in something that's magical. So it's just a story. Yeah, it's just a story. I'll mention I'm a relatively little-known writer who would love to <laughs> collaborate as <laughs> long as you're taking solicitations. But yes, next. Um, could, if you could recreate any iconic comic book and make it your style, what would you do? Um, like which uh, I would go back in time and uh, create The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> I'd be sitting in my island and watching my own TV show. <laughs> Thanks. Or I guess Batman. <laughs> Go back. Yeah. I was wondering, I like the comic book uh, Hellshock a lot. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, how the character is half human and half angel. Uh, I was wondering, how did you come up with the concept for that? Um, I, I don't even remember. Okay. Which is weird because I'm not religious at all. Yeah. Um, so I approached it as purely a. Um, it's like a, like a fairy tale or mythology. Like I looked at um, the Bible as like reading about the Greek gods, and um, uh, there's you know there's a lot of similarities, and um, I, I just like the mythology of, of the uh, you know the angels and the apocalypse and, and all that. So as as, um, as disappointing as it sounds. You know, I was just a kid, and I did it just because it sounded cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing, nothing deeper beyond that. <laughs> right, next. Hi, I'm an elementary art school teacher, yes. and um, as a teacher of other willful artists that think they know everything, is there anything that you could go back and maybe something that you wanted your teachers to know, or any advice for teachers of artists? Well, times are so different now. Back then, 30, 35, I don't remember how long ago it was. But back then, comics were not cool. So art teachers would see you drawing superheroes and, and think you're drawing pornography or something. <laughs> they would literally just rip it out of your hands and, and say, don't do this ever again. And it was like a secret shame. And so... Uh, you know, ironically, in art class, I was getting D's. I was a straight-A student, and then in art class, C, D. I was like, what the hell? You're ruining my GPA. Um, and it was because I just wasn't following um, what, what the art teachers wanted. But now, comics are cool. Every art college has, you know, a comic book class, and it's almost always the most popular ones. So... Um, yeah, I would just say keep encouraging the kids and there's, there's nothing shameful about it. But you guys know that already because now times are different. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're an art teacher at Comic-Con, which is, which is a great thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thank you. I was initially inspired to do work on the Dark Tower series so I'm probably a younger fan than most. Uh, but if you could elaborate on... You sure about that? Any, any, uh, I'm sorry, well... <laughs> <laughs> I had my long hair, and now I'm trying to grow it out again. I got the hair locks. Uh, but yeah, I just 
just looking to see what kind of inspiration you draw on. You mentioned how, you know, King said, well, you're the drawer, but, you know, if, if maybe narrow it down and you get a quick answer, maybe a similar character. Because the way I read the book and saw it in my mind is really similar to the kind of inspired me. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, you, you just, when you read the novels, all seven novels, you live and breathe these characters. You feel like you're part of that group and you're on the journey with them. So it just came naturally. There was, there was really no struggle. Um, they're, they're kind of archetypes anyway. So as long as I came up with characters that were... Um, if you were thinking of a, a heroic cowboy, what would he look like? He would look like Clint Eastwood. So you take it from there, and then you end up with John Farson in a samurai outfit with a red mask. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Uh, this is in regards to your creative process. So you mentioned before that you don't really look at other creators' work anymore. And oh, no, no, I do. It's just back then, I, you know, you kind of have to cut yourself off so that you're not, you're trying to expose yourself to different things. But no, I'm always looking at comic art. Okay, so in regards to that, how do you look for inspiration? Do you compile it into something and then you look at it in the future to kind of approach it? Or do you see something and you try to sketch something out right then and there? Um, that's hard to answer. It's, it's usually just you can find inspiration in anything. You can be driving down the road and see the sky and go, wow, I want to use those textures. You could watch a movie and say you like that color scheme and you want to do something like that. Um, you can find inspiration in anything, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't really like sit in front of the computer and scroll through images to find inspiration. It just kind of happens. It's so organic, nice. Yeah. Okay, we have time for two more questions. I think. Uh, what was the like after your two-year hiatus from comic arts? What was the project that brought you back? Okay, let's start this over and try this new style that you were looking for. Uh, it was Hellshock Volume 2. Which one, sorry? Hellshock yeah. Volume 2. So Volume 1 was the immature me, and Volume 2 was the more adult me. Right. So check, different check. check. Yes. <laughs> yep. Any other plans with Stephen King adaptations? Uh, no, I ended up doing a novel with him. It was uh, the, the eighth novel in the Dark Tower series. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so that was a huge honor, yeah. but nothing, uh, you know, we've done a, a few stuff here and there, like for Entertainment Weekly, uh, like I illustrated um, a couple of articles, but that's about it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. You talked about your shift in art style, but I want to specifically talk about your panel layouts. Yeah. Very different than your work. How, how wide did that change? Um, you know, as I get older, my OCD is getting worse. <laughs> Everything has to be perpendicular. Everything has to be either facing front or sideways. Uh, it's again, it's not, it's not something that I can even describe why I do it. It's kind of crazy. It's very different. Thank you, but it's, it's yeah, it's my OCD. It's probably a pill. Once I take that pill, I'll probably be drawing different angles. And stuff. So we're out of books, but we might have time for another question or two before we wrap up. Yeah. How do you, like, after doing this for so long, how do 
sculpture or like how do you kind of get um, not just inspired but step away so that you come back with, with fresh inspiration? Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I can't do the same thing all the time. Um, that's why I constantly have to change my style and, and, and just go with whatever I'm inspired by currently. And right now it's, it's a more retro style like Norman Rockwell or um, Hal Foster, Alex Raymond on Flash Gordon. That's what I'm into now. So I'm, I'm trying to just make it brighter and more, go for more of a, a classic timeless feel. And you have no, there's no, like, you have any intentional, like, going after that or just that comes to you as, as, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no, I'll go after it. I'll go after it and hunt it down and kill it. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or die trying. Do you have, like, a dream just project, like, create your own, or just something that you want to work on that you always wanted to do and haven't had a chance? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, yeah, my goal is to just, do the ultimate expression of of, um, um, of what I see in my head, and that's the only way to do that is do, doing uh, creator own stuff. Um, but man, you need a lot of discipline, and I, I still need to get a little more mature. <laughs> do we maybe have time for one last really quick question? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your parents, uh, when, when you started going into art and comics and you dropped out of college, those are all red flags for parents. How were they? Uh, and the drugs. <laughs> okay, what was the question? Uh, How did they react to like, you going into yeah. comics? Were your parents supportive? Oh, no, no, not at all. My mom would come home at... Uh, three o'clock in the afternoon and see me laying in bed reading comic books. That was not a great time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks, everybody. Uh, Thank you.